house fellowship, you know. So. Jeff, can I ask a question about when groups don't actually sort of go anywhere? So you might have, um, you know, someone's really keen for a Bible study in their home and you've done all the stuff and you've been meeting with them for four months. You've, you know, talked about um, salvation and they've kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, think about it, you know. And you've kept doing Bible studies, but there's been no response. Now you're talking about a house of peace or a feeder. You're talking no, about lost person. Yeah, okay. lost people. Yeah, yeah. We, as long as there's any inkling of spiritual hunger, we'll usually stay with people. Okay. It's been the, and I say that because in this situation, um, uh, Karen um, had a massive aneurysm, and they've been doing a Bible study. Now Karen actually is the only believer in that group, but the family rallied around Karen at that moment, and all of a sudden, God changed the soil of Karen's family. But I would have, you know, we looked at sometimes going, man, why in the world are we still in that home? Right, and yeah. Kevin and Danielle struggled week in, week out, going, right. should we really keep going? And, um, you know, and they felt like there was some abuses, <coughs> financial, just various things. But in the end, God changed the soil, and all of a sudden, there's been now much more openness to the gospel. So... I guess if there's a little bit of hunger, I'd stay in there okay. and yeah. wait and see yeah. if God changes the soil. So, so I, I'm thinking of a guy I'm connected with, and you know, he, he made a commitment. We within second week started talking about baptism, and that's when he realized, oh, you mean I have to be a real Christian and have to tell my parents he's from an ethnic background, and he really took a big step back. Mm. So where where do you go with that? You give him the space and find someone else or do you just say you know let's let's talk again I'm just sort of I would continue uh, honestly and I don't know what you mean by ethnic but I would continue driving forward with the discipleship and see where else he's willing to obey might be what I would do so it's not like well we've got a camp here for a while until we can work this one through on the baptism because in in Asia that that stepping over that line of baptism was a huge thing in the south it's actually you know where we're at in the states that's pretty oh yeah I've been baptized a dozen times you know it's a little more so I think it's sometimes that's a cultural thing of um, so I would continue discipleship and just see if there's a change the other thing is explain hey we're going to do this Quietly, secretly. I mean that. I don't have a problem with doing a. For me, baptism is for the believer. It's not yeah. necessarily for a witness yeah. for the community. Yeah. We do most of ours in community, but if there's ever a hindrance for whatever reasoning because of somebody's background, um, I wouldn't have a problem doing it just quietly mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. So he can be obedient to Jesus. Okay. And yeah. I think sometimes explaining that because we had to do that in Asia a lot. Sometimes say, listen, we're not gonna. We would do baptisms in Bhutan at night mm. because we couldn't risk somebody seeing somebody mm. because of social reasons or government reasons seeing it. Mm. But if I feel like I'm hearing you say something different to what I've heard you say before. Then. Probably. So, so I'm, like, I, I'm I feel like way. you've been very strong in, in other times of saying you get to lesson three or whatever and they turn up the next week and they haven't obeyed. So I'm teaching them to obey. They haven't obeyed, so we just do lesson Again. So I was expecting your answer to Steve to say, no, well, we, just, we just keep doing the baptism lesson well, until they get it. On this one, though, I, I would, I would because he said ethnic, and, I, and I'm not sure exactly, unpacking exactly what you mean that. Yeah, see, I, I would, there I might be a little more of just, hey, let's understand their culture in that situation, because that's a huge hurdle for somebody from India. Yeah. And, and I would, 
So I wouldn't mind going on right there in that scenario because I don't think that's a... Um, Behind it is uh, a real... Uh, fear. Fear. That, and, closed and, off from community. And, and effectively, folks are still running slow. Yeah. Um, from a distance. So there's also a, lord, a lordship issue, but what I could be doing is ex expecting too much up front, work with what he is willing to obey. I mean, there's another thing where he's got this bargain with God, that if God yeah. fixes his, his work and educational, vocational future, then he'll follow God. If he doesn't, then maybe the deal's off. And, I, and we, would, we would always, even in this scenario, we would, we would definitely say this would be, I think that I believe is the closer to immediate baptism is better. But I would always say this, I would not baptize somebody until they could count the cost. And, and, and that, that, I think what you're talking about is here is he, he really can't honestly count the cost of what you're asking him to do. Because his cost is different than my cost. Because I'm not going to lose my family and what I do for yeah. baptism. In an Asian culture, he will. So I, I am probably saying something different. But I, the one thing I wouldn't say different is whatever believer is taking baptism should be able to count the cost of baptism. And, and in Asia, it's going to cost you something. Yeah. It, it will not cost me anything in Booger Hollow. And so just that, that would be the only thing I'd be sensitive mm -hmm. to. But I think that definitely comes into when you cross culturally, definitely an issue. Mm -hmm. um, let me throw my obstacle up to you guys. I've, I've talked way too much, but um, my obstacle. I am, um, I am torn about what to do with my church formation. Um, I've... My, my local leaders, because I, I am in a community where there's churches, and so my local leaders, they, they see things very cut and dry in the scriptures that I should have elders, deacons, um, a very, very Baptist-looking type house church. Um, yeah. But I am trying to figure out a way to simplify my church formation for the sake of my people that I'm working with. But I'm also trying to simplify it for the sake of I can speak into more communities to take the gospel on a wider realm. But I don't want to give up too much of church that we don't become church. But I don't want to be too much church that the church rejects my church. Does that make sense? And so that's where we're really sort of struggling. Um, the tithe thing was one thing. We sort of moved away from storehouse to a giving um, there's definitely giving, and I believe we're probably giving more than we would have tithed. So that's taking place. But um, So th this is a real struggle for us because this scenario, it doesn't matter. This scenario doesn't matter. But I'm getting ready to launch into three more networks of churches that have invited me to come in, and it matters to them. So I can say, hey, it's my way or the highway, or do I find a way to adapt what I'm doing because I'm passionate about lostness. So I still, what I don't want to do is compromise the point of I want them to function as a church, but I may have to give up some of my hierarchy. Does that make sense? Does that frame my struggle um, okay? So I'm thinking about, if you look in the back of this book, I'm, I'm, we're rewriting this, and I'm really praying through how to rewrite it, is... Um, essentially the basics of what a church is and essentially what I'm the wrestling over is this area of ecclesiology or the elders, deacons because what I would say a lot of these groups 
I wouldn't say we'd have a recognizable elder in even even some of the house churches we have. I wouldn't say we necessarily have a recognizable elder at this point in time. I believe they're emerging and they're coming up, but I'm not so sure I could. And and one of the temptations I think with new believers and the temptations when you have a manual is they look at this and they say. Okay, you have to have elders, deacons, and a treasure. Uh, you're the deacons, you're the treasure. And they want to follow it very literally. So I, I, want to, I want to stay true to Scripture, but I don't, want to, I don't want to create a barrier. Does that make sense, yeah. what I'm saying? Um, what, yeah, so that's really the question. What is the minimum requirement it takes to be a church? And do you think that's okay? Is that a good direction for me to go? Because I'm getting ready to launch into three more Baptist churches that are saying, listen, we have home groups. We want to turn our home groups into things that reach out and start houses of peace. We want to be involved in the Great Commission, our home groups. But they're not going to accept the idea that they look just like what I have pictured here. But I don't want to compromise too much. Um, so help me out. What, uh, or maybe if there's any questions on clarifying my question, my problem. Um, well... I immediately thought of the council at Jerusalem in Acts 15, where the issue of what should we make these Gentile Christians do, what's the minimum? Yeah. And they put got the people in the room that had an interest in, in resolving the question. So I, I think maybe some of those pastors in those networks uh, could be involved in a process mm, that's a good idea. of saying, of you just putting your obstacle yeah. out in your case and saying, we, we need to find the mind of Christ on this. Yeah. And trying to help them understand mm. about lostness and why you want to make it simple and why you want to work the minimums, but also you want to work with them. Okay. And, and you know, and okay. see if you have your little... I like it. So what I hear Tim saying is that I would actually go to these emerging... I got... Uh, Putnam and uh, Christ for the Nations, and then I'm getting into three government housing projects. So I would go to them, ask them, let's meet together, talk about, hey, let's come together, find a solution for what are we really sort of saying as a church, the leadership structure. Amen. Okay. Amen. All right. Good. Awesome, oh, I was just going to say, um, <clears throat> elders is such a church word, you know, yeah. in the sense that. Uh, when, when elders were talked about back in Paul's day, there were actually elders of, of community. Yeah. And they were, they were leaders of community, and they were looked up to. And I think you'll find that you do actually have elders already. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just... We've not identified them yet. Mm. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. And that they'll be community leaders within the sense of a Christian community leader. Yeah. They're within your churches. So... Just tagging a name on it can sometimes be deceiving. Yeah, yeah. When you've actually got that in place. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I, I really think we we actually have them. They probably have not been identified, and um, and part of the the my dilemma is we don't call elders elders in this where I'm at. We call them pastors, mm -hmm. and so if I call them a pastor, then a you've got a whole new context. Pastors only used one time in the New Testament. But a pastor in the South means you're ordained, you're a minister, you're, you're educated, you're authoritative, you know, there's a whole, and so that's why I'm struggling with, because I agree, that's exactly right. The character issues, they're already there, they're in community, and it might be we change the name is a possibility. Yeah. Well, generally, I don't like to change the names, like, 
Christians. No. It's not a, if it's a church, call them a church. Don't call it a house church. Don't call it a small yeah. group. Whatever. Same with disciples. Call them disciples. disciples. But with elders, I'm considering the fact that since they give sort of fatherly or motherly guidance, to call them maybe monthly beds. Just something to, to describe that gentle, nurturing leadership. Yeah. Yeah. What, and, and if they develop into something stronger or yeah. bigger, then. Well, and I'll give you an example. This is my house. We meet in my house. I'm leading the training. I'm the man. But you know who the elder is? It's my dad. Everybody in there looks to him as the elder because he's exactly what you said. He will look out for the best for that group more so than anybody else in that group. And everybody trusts him. So whatever my dad says, even if we would have a debate in there about how to handle a thing, my dad's statement would go further than anybody's. Even though I got more education, more experience in missions, I've seen church planting movements, it doesn't matter. My dad is the recognized elder. Now, we don't call him that, but I'm just saying you're both exactly right. I mean, that's good. Man. Uh, my thought to you would be that when you look at um, church leadership in these sorts of positions, it sort of comes back to gifting. When you go to the New Testament, there's different mm. areas of gifting. So you can take that approach to a group and say, well, what gifts do we have amongst the people here? Mm. And you may not have something as a gift in it as mm. is written in... Um, yeah, able to teach. Yeah, you may not have this. You might have this person elder. gifted in, in going to houses where there's pit bulls. Well, that's the, yeah. that's the new position that's our age. the church. <laughs> so you, you look at what the gifts that are there, then you cut in and you build the, sort of the, the structure of the church around that. Yeah. Rather than looking, well, we need this, 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 then do we have them there? Yeah. It's an inverse process. Well, and I'll just share this on a side note. All of us are actually looking at Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, and none of, not one house church has all those things. Mm -hmm. But let me say this. Andy's group, his, his Tuesday night group that meets, there's five guys that meet, and he would consider that his fivefold ministry of the apes and the PTs. And he's fostering and encouraging that, that group to take place. But that's one of the things we are actually trying to identify in the network because our one house group's not going to have all the giftings. So we need to share our giftings across the network. Yeah, so yeah. we are, let me make sure, we're, we're trying to be intentional to do that early on because that's uh, so true. We have to have that giftings. But you'll never have all the gifts in one church, in a house church. Um, well, one of the things I think that actually came through the stuff with you shared last year that I found quite quite confronting but helpful was, you know, uh, t Timothy and Titus being sent off by Paul to appoint elders in the churches. Yeah. And the key thought for me was, oh, so the church exists. Even though there's no elders. And they haven't actually got elders at the moment. And, yeah. and that, that was quite a, a yeah. paradigm sort of a shift, you know, because yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I... I tend to be wired to do the opposite thing, to appoint leaders and then try to get them to form a yeah. church. Build the church around the leaders. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, you're right. And I, and I think that's a good thing to keep yeah. in mind. Yeah. That might be our Council of Jerusalem talk, is, hey, let's take a look at Acts you know, 14 and, and then or Titus. Yeah. And uh, even when they went back to Ephesus, uh, same, same scenario. So, yeah. Right. 
from a name point of view, I think the word elder is so tainted, it's become, yeah. it's become a really hopeless word in English. Yeah, and our nice. other church plant that's not represented here, they've actually, <laughs> they've actually adopted the, I've, I've been challenging them about getting a little bit clearer mm. on their formation, and they've actually adopted the term runners, which I thought <laughs> was quite a fascinating thing. So the runners are people who run things, okay. but it also plays on the idea of the runner in sport oh, okay. that goes out to serve. Okay. You know, they go out to give information and to serve and to come back. Okay. But they're also, they're also playing on the idea. Well, you run things, so you're a runner. You can never guess that Nathan was the chaplain for the Newcastle Rolls. <laughs> 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 I don't think I was ever going to come up with that, but I quite like it. So there, just food that, for thought. Not, not that, you know, I'll ever attempt to rewrite scripture or anything like that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but when Paul wrote to, say, wrote Ephesians, he wasn't just writing to, you know, one house church, yeah. a small group, you know, it was the church, the church yeah. in Ephesus, and so to the church in Ephesus, you know, he talks about the five, have the fivefold yeah. ministry gifts, so, yeah. you know, in looking at that, maybe it's the church at Bukahola you know, uh, or, yeah, yeah. or the, you know, or a, a, a network, um, so just to broaden it out a bit more, even, you know, to the elders of the church at Ephesus, yeah. That's that'd be another good point to even take yeah. to this council thing is to that point that because uh, that's a misconception. I think you're right that uh, expecting all of that to be in that local Baptist church in our in our yeah. mind. So but when Paul and whatever went back on their return visits to appoint elders, I guess they're finding someone that already was evidently believer. Yeah. I think so. I think exactly what uh, yeah. Steve was just was was sharing. Yeah, no, I think it was the character was there. I mean, in Timothy and Titus, it's all about character. And yeah. I think, it, yeah, they bubbled up. They're already the natural leader, and all they're doing is going, yep, yeah, you got the right guy. I would think it'd be highly likely that if you look at the requirements of that kind of leadership in the New Testament, and you look at a fairly young house church, you may not have anybody in there that meets that yeah. criteria. Yeah. What do you do then? Or you have a scenario like Titus, and I think this is why Titus says, um, Titus, Timothy says that he's not to be a novice, right? Titus doesn't put that in. Well, the church in Thessalonica actually was a quite young church, and Paul had only spent, what, three Sabbaths there, and there had been some people there discipling, but I think because he'd spent two years in Ephesus, he could say, hey, no novices, but he looks over at Thessalonica and he leaves off novice. Now, did he do it accidentally or did he do it because the context dictated that, hey, just pick a, a guy of character. He may not be, you know, he may be a novice, but let's pick a guy of character. So I, you know, but yeah. either way, I think I'm... I suspect that, sorry, these three new churches that have asked you to come in are obviously thinking new things through. So by not having the answer is not... They're probably going to wonder about yeah. Well, I just I, the reason I'm preparing for this is because when I haven't had these or at least thought through it, yeah, they'll let me go a long way, and then they go, "Whoa, we didn't sign up for this, Jack," <laughs> and I had the sort of you know yeah, the sure. the rug pulled out from me. Uh -huh. So I'm trying to make sure I'm really thinking through well that I'm taking the rights because I my time. You know, I only got so much time, and I, I want to spend it the best I can. But I also don't want to 
I don't want them to go a direction they don't want to go. Yeah, they, you know, I want them to really yeah, fully yeah. see where we're going. So yeah, that, that's that's a good point because I, I want to be careful of that. Let me throw this question out, and then I'm a I'm a finish. You've heard me share as far as what I that's my perception of my biggest problem. I'm, I'm getting ready to launch into more training, mm-hmm. more stuff, and I'm excited about it. It looks like a great opportunity. We're going into a church of 1,200, you know, and so getting to train a large portion of them to you know, launch their home groups, turn them into multiplying groups. That's, that excites me. Um, but you heard everything we're doing, and there's lots of mess. We got Corinth, we got Ephesus, we got Thessalonica, we got it all, baby. Um, what what uh, you might say, you know, well, I don't know, you ought to go there until you correct this. Is there some things that maybe I'm not seeing that you say, well, you, gotta, you really ought to, and I'll just throw that out to you, because um, I could have blind spots on that. I definitely, I'm sure I do. And, but I also know I don't have all the answers to all the things, um, even with what Tim said about the couples. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, time, Holy Spirit, Word of God, that's about all I really know there. But, so any anything bugging you about, you know, saying, boy, I wish you'd deal with this? Or, um. I find what you're doing very encouraging, even the hard parts. Mm. Yeah. You're not giving up. a couple times. I, I didn't share that. I I had one night a guy come up to me and told me that, you know, I was making a mess of the church. I was ruining things. He told me we were the great falling away. Yeah. And I, I, I argued with him for a while and I finally, I just, I walked out of the church. I actually went to the back door, flung them open and I turned around and I came back in. And I, <laughs> and I said, and so I said, listen, I said, what we need to do I said, we need to do this group together. And so anyhow, so we're doing a group. He's in a home now. And, uh, but I, I almost quit. <laughs> I was that close. I just, oh, I can't do it no more. Because I could do this and I could do this and eliminate all the rest and have a blast. No stress. So you almost quit trying to help existing transition. I almost quit with the feeders. Okay. I was that close. More than once. More than once. Yeah, Angie's heard it several times. Paul, Paul did that, remember? He said, I've had enough of you guys. I've got to... Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, the greatest thing I have going for me is I don't owe them anything. Because I'm not paid by them. Yeah. Nobody pulls my purse strings. I, I have my own job, my own business, and so I, I'm able to say that and say, listen, I'm, I'm, what I do, I do because I love to do and I'm passionate about it. And you're not... Now, thankfully, some do support us, but um, my income comes from my wife because she does a lot. Pray in the name of Jesus, she gets a better paying job so <laughs> I wouldn't have to raise any more money. <laughs> I'd love to just lean on her. I've been. It's so uh, different, isn't that cool? Just <laughs> <laughs> a question. Um, I was, when I was reading this this morning, uh, I just I wondered, like, and it had, it's not to do with uh, you could be doing this better or anything um, as far as what you explained this morning. Um, but I was I was thinking through the seven commands, mm. and I was reading First uh, Thessalonians a few weeks back, and he he actually says to the church there, um, which really struck me, and I started to see it through all of his letters afterwards, mm. when he says, make sure that um, they're they're obedient to three things: um, a stewardship of money, which which is a giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, love, the, love the brothers, which is 
also covered in the commands. The third one is sexual purity. Mm. And I'm just wondering, is do you guys cover that in another way? or? Yeah, there's something we've used um, that we use as a supplement. Um, Universal Disciples is what it's called. And it's actually based on Ephesians. But it's introduced a little later on. But it talks about what you put on and what you put off. And so it talks about putting off immorality, put off lust, put off this, but put on this. So we've used that. We haven't used it probably as extensively as we should. Um, and then also sometimes it actually comes up in that first third for us. I think living in the Bible Belt, um, there's enough of a sense of um, you don't really have to point out they got that one messed up. They may try and, it's just like the guy, you know, Scott, he's become my buddy. And I tell Scott, I said, listen, dude, I said, you ain't got to lie to me about the pills. I said, I, ain't, I don't have a dog in that hunt. I don't know if you all know what that means, but I don't have a dog in that hunt. You know, if you want to use a pill, you use a pill. But tell me you used it. Because I, I you know, don't lie to me. Just be straight up honest and let me help you where I can, but don't, you know. And so we've found people are pretty, because I think being in the home, there's actually a pretty good honesty there. But it's probably a, you know, a, there's a several things, honestly. If I would go back and I, I probably I'd have 15 commands. I would add spiritual warfare in because we deal with incredible amounts of spiritual warfare. I would add in um, persecution. Um, you know, sexual purity. There's, and there's other ones that uh, they're not in the Bible, but I don't, you know, how do I do a pornography? And, you know, I mean, a sexual purity, but it's not real, one of those things that just jumps out at people, you know. So there's things you, um, it's, you know, now one thing we do is after we do the Christology, if you see the last page of the book, we sort of, we go through the book of Mark. After that, we usually do jump into the epistles, and Ephesians would usually be, one of our bents would be to go to Ephesians. Um, yeah. So, but any, any ideas you guys have like that? Oh, the other thing, let me tell you this: anything I give you, you can change it. If you don't like the seven commands, you need the thirteen commands. You need the six <laughs> commands. Don't change the process. Yeah. And then the other thing is, the seven commands are designed to get you to church formation. So understand that the reason we chose the seven commands is they're really about getting church formation, Amen. so you can get a body of believers together as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And it'll bring some of that self-correction, because I have a lot of trust in the priesthood of believers. And so, just like I trust that God will provide a house of peace, I also believe in the priesthood of believers, that we sit on level ground at the cross, and my wife can speak into my life, and uh, Scott, who's a new believer, can speak into my life because of the priesthood of believers. Um, so... You've talked about seven, the seven popes. Is that just a different thing? Seven stories of hope? Is no. That just a different thing that you're seven stories of hope is um, something we designed most around a postmodern worldview. We had people who just couldn't get over the idea that you go in, share your story, Jesus' story, and start doing the seven commands of Christ. And so to get them over that barrier, we designed the seven stories of hope around the gospel. So we looked at uh, Acts 2, Acts 15, 1 Corinthians 15. I'm sorry, Acts 17. So Acts 2, 17, and 1 Corinthians 15. And we just said, what are the core things of the gospel? Well, there's good news. God loves you. He's got a plan for you. But he's a holy and righteous God. We've got bad news. There's a problem. We have sin. What's God's solution? It's the cross. And what do we have to do? Confess with our mouth and believe in our heart and he shall save us. And then he makes us a witness. So we designed the stories around those five key things. 
And his first story is awesome because we just found postmoderns totally dig it because the bad guys are the church, the good guys is Jesus, and Jesus loves sinners and forgives sinners. And my wife's looking at me at my grammar. Uh, but we just found it really hooks the postmodern folks because they already have, they already believe the media, they already believe we're bad, they believe we're terrible. I want to talk about Jesus. I don't want to talk about the church. Let's talk about Jesus in your house. Let's get saved. And then we'll worry about the other part on discipleship. So the only thing we want to do in the seven stories of hope is talk about Jesus. But we still follow the one-third, one-third, one-third. I did not make this obvious. So it doesn't say, after you do your story, Jesus' story, you do this. I left that stuff out because I want people to be trained. I don't want them, I don't want people giving away manuals thinking that this is going to help anything. This manual doesn't help anything. It's the training and the investing of time you put in people. So you have to understand the process to make it work. Your story, Jesus' story, seven stories of hope, seven commands, and then next will be the seven stories of the church. So that's, and I can send you a, this digitally if you want it. You can use it. You can change it. Seven sticky for us. We love seven. <laughs> Jeff, seven can I just come things? back to yeah. your, um, your uh -oh. pictures and stuff? <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious about two things. Um, one is um, you love training feeders and you believe that if you train feeders that there will be a greater kind of reproduction happening here? Potentially. Potentially, okay. So who are you training to train more feeders? A lot of people. Okay. Um, honestly, I'll tell you, let me say first yeah. of all, and I, I meant to say this earlier, that has been a huge hindrance here. What happened is everybody wanted to train feeders because it's comfortable. So I had to put a stop to that. Because all feeders did was train more feeders who trained more feeders, and, and we accomplished nothing. It. And they weren't doing it. That's why I spent a year right. doing that. Okay. And, and so that's when Neil was sitting on the table going, when are we going to do something? Oh. And so, so I got a, got a lot of great cedar, um, well, feeder trainers here, but we had to, and that's why I was telling you, we put an accountability level in here where, one, if you're going to be a trainer of feeders, you have to be doing it. You have to be a leader of a C4 church. You have to be in a house of peace. Otherwise, you don't have our approval to do that. Now, you can go on your own and do it. I don't care. But you're not going to do it through us. And because we want people who are actually sharing out of experience. versus Because you can reproduce nothing. This, this manual will reproduce nothing if you're just feeding feeders. So you've got to be really, really careful. And I try and balance my... My, the tension there, the other, and that's why I do it on my terms, in my place. Um, the more we do it in the church, the worse it is. Um, so I really like business places and so, so lots balance of these it. feeders have are doing church and they are training other feeders. Now they are. Right. How but many? How many would be actually doing that model? Um, this. Jeff is awesome. Jeff is training. Him and his wife are training a boatload of folks. He's a youth pastor. Right. And winning people to Christ, um, in homes, house of peace. So Jeff can do anything. Neil, the pastor, this yeah. is all Neil's work. Neil's prayer walking in Dunbar, so he's looking for houses of peace. 
He's reaching out to Bug Eyes. Bug Eyes is the guy he went to high school with. Um, but yet, he's also training Shane. Shane is now reaching into Bull Riders as House of Peace. So here's, so those two, they can do anything I can do. Um, but aren't those, Lewis, people, aren't those people just seated like the seekers that he's brought to Christ? Oh, no, they, every, if, you te, if you see a TC4, <coughs> that's a temporary C4 church. The idea with a temporary C4 is you bring feeders in, and we also have this C3 meeting where we get a lot of people saved. So we have a lot of people, their church service is like a rock and roll concert. Lights are down, drums are banging, music's loud, okay. and people get saved. Well, what do you do with these people who get saved? How do you disciple them? And that's been a burden for us. So we feed them as seeders into the C4 group. And then we begin to train them to reach the oikos. So that becomes exciting because you immediately have stories because you've got new believers. So you have feeders watching this new believer winning people to Jesus. And they get, oh man, if they can do it, I can do it. So we create a tension by doing this temporary C4. These will exist for six to nine months. And then they cease and exist because by then you're in homes and you're actually doing it. Nursing. You don't have enough nights in the week to do it. So that's why we want these to actually disappear. Right. So eventually then they're actually in Houses of Peace or in Cedars Homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Element Riders, they have a trainer. Um, Craig's a trainer. Um, that's Jeff. Um, and then the guy that I told you we put in accountability, Brian, who Brian's job is to make sure when somebody gets saved here, they end up in a C4 group as accountable to me. And then his whole job is to make sure that he can train also. And then the other thing is, we do temporary C4 here weekly. So we have an area set up at a school nearby that looks like a, a home. Refrigerator, uh, washer, dryer, the whole, you know, couches, the whole deal. And we do temporary C4 here. You don't see it here, but my church, we actually do temporary C4 there also. Um, anybody in this group can do feeders. Okay. Um, this group, he's got about five people who can do feeders. Oh, so, great. Okay. And, and they could do, they operate on the same level that I do as far as I'd be concerned on the basics. They don't want troubleshooting, but on the basics of being, being able to help somebody win people to Jesus, and they probably do it better than I do, honestly. And so any of them can do it. Um, and are they doing it? Yes. Okay, great. My role with yeah. them, though, is that each one of these groups I meet with monthly, and we do the iron on iron like we're right. going to do this afternoon. And my role is to speak into yep. their lives. I want them to speak into each other's lives personally, but then I'm also looking. The other thing is, everybody anywhere here has my phone number. They can call me anywhere, anytime, anyplace, right? And ask a question. And, or I can bring them into a group. Uh, the other thing we do, we do mall. Did I do mall with you guys? Mall was just watching Lee last time? Okay. We will we're actually getting ready to take our breaks. My, my church will cease to exist um, next week. And all of our folks will now be modeling uh, for people here who are struggling to know what to do in a house of peace. Right. So okay. all four of these will be working with about probably 30 different people okay. modeling what to do. Right. Okay. Six, nine, six, nine weeks later, we'll start back up. But um, we would right. definitely consider ourselves a church, but yet we feel like this is important. Yeah, to, okay. Um, how do you functionally manage all of these people and meetings? Like, how do you organize yourself? I'm not organized. 
So, <laughs> so when, you, when you talk about a monthly meeting, do you have a roster of when those are happening? At yeah, they, they do that for me. I tell them to tell me when to be there and when where it's at. Yeah. I don't, yeah, no, I couldn't do that. So, but now, and then the other thing is, it's, I, I know, that, and this is odd, we do it during, at this church, we do it during 1045, during the normal worship hour. So they don't go to church, they come spend uh, one weekend a month with me. So they skip church. And, but, like I said, the, the pastor, this is high priority, but we already have child care, we already have everything taken care of, so, you know... I, you know, I don't know, I, but uh, it works great for me. I love the timing. Yes. So you, you then say, because of what you're doing, I want to get together with you monthly with this group of people, but then you leave that up to somebody else to drive when that's going to happen. And that's... Yeah, it's, I give them a time frame, but they, yeah. they make it happen. Yeah. I don't make it happen. Jeff is not involved in the logistics. Yeah. I do nothing with logistics. Yeah. I'm like Steve. Grant knows everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 If I know it, I won't tell you. We'll, Lunch. we'll go back five. Um, okay. So. Well, I've just got one more question. Yep. Sorry. How, how do you get to, um, how are you going to get to C4, like the fourth generation? Because I can't see that there. Yeah, we're not there yet. No. Um, our hope right now, we're really investing in Matt. Um, where did Matt go? Matt right. is one okay. of the key guys we're yep. investing yep. with. Uh, Steve is the other one that we're investing with. So we've really lifted these guys up. Um, Isaiah, where's Isaiah at? Isaiah, his whole family's come to Christ. And Isaiah's actually on staff at this church. But Isaiah's group, we're really, he's a young guy. Isaiah's a new believer. The whole family's come to Christ. So there's certain ones that we've chosen where the, the DNA seems to be a little better. And we're spending a little more time there. Uh, Randy and Ruth, my mom and dad, are spending a lot of time. We're actually having to maul them, so we're carrying them. Mom and dad are taking them and, and making them share their story. Because there's a lack of discipline. Somebody said that yesterday. You know, and even though you ask them to share, a lot of times they won't share. So mom and dad said, hey, let's, let's go together. They practice how to share. Now you share your story. And making them do it. Yeah. Well, so and is that lack of people encourage yeah, and well, encourage and then even just take them with you show physically. Them, show them. Awesome. Yeah. You know, date, time, minute, when are you doing this, and let's go together. Yeah. Awesome. And then there's, and it takes a little harder work, but it's helping develop discipline, yeah, it's, it's helping develop modeling. Mm -hmm. um, and then what will they do with their disciples? Amen. They should do the same. So, so we've had this, that's one thing we've had to step back and do, and that's a little different than T for T. In, in, since we've had to, there's places we've had to spend a little more time intentionally where we actually bought somebody from first generation to help the second generation reach out to the third generation. And, um, and that's, but yeah. hey, if you need to do that, man, yeah. do it. Yeah. There's no. Are you going to tell us yeah. later with whom and when you use the, the booklet? Or can you? Yeah, well, I'll just, I'll shoot that real quick and we'll finish up. Um, if, uh, if we find a house of peace, you know, and, and I'm, we've already taught them how to share their story, Jesus' story. Mm -hmm. They immediately jump into the seven stories of hope, okay? Mm -hmm. So we're actually teaching. Now, when they come to Christ, we teach them to share their story and Jesus' story, right? Okay? But, so that's the, and then they would just follow the normal thing after that. Then, so, Jesus, your story, Jesus' story, seven stories of hope, seven commands of Christ, and then church formation, okay? 
So that's sort of with a house of peace. If I have a feeder... When you give them the booklet, is that you're saying then you give them the booklet right up front then? No, well, we haven't. Some we do, some we don't. We haven't really, really, if we're in the house of peace, we're just doing the seven stories of hope. We just want to talk about Jesus. But I am asking them, who could you share the story with? So I'm still following the one-third, one-third. And so the next week I'll say, well, hey, Scott, who'd you share the story with? Did you try? No, I didn't, I didn't do it. I slept in at 11 o'clock, whatever, you know. But we, you know, but I'm going to ask at least, you know. And the hope is that they might. And, uh, but I would, Scott and, you know, Scott and Jerry and we've actually have given them the booklet, so they're, they're working with it. Now they do have, you know, one of the first things we do is even though we immediately had them write down their list of people that are far from God. So like in Scott's scenario, um, of course Scott's now a believer, but we're asking Scott, and this is risky, one of his people that he used to do the drug thing with keeps calling him, and he keeps, you know, deleting the phone number because he didn't want to, you know, afraid to talk to him. And I said, well, what if we go over to his house and we do the seven stories of hope, and I'll go with you, and I'll hold you accountable. And I know that's a bit risky, and I, and I, I'm, I'm, but, I'm, but I'm trying to make him bold because if he's there sharing Jesus, it may actually, one, it's going to make a difference, hopefully, in this guy's life, but then it may help him what he get what he needs. Is he? This guy's bigger than me, but he can't hurt me in front of other people. <laughs> what uh, we're going to do is we'll pick up, uh, when we come back after lunch, we'll be back at 